Welcome to episode 51 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian watched the first half of BoJack Horseman Season 6. Both Christian and I watched the movie Burn After Reading. I played the video game Until Dawn, and finally we'll wrap up with a brief discussion of the death of Deadspin. But first, Christian, you were able to check out BoJack Season 6, and I know you're a huge BoJack fan. How has the season been so far? It's been pretty good. I, in one of our first episodes, I think, was when uh, I talked about Season 5 last year, so this is a, this is pretty cool. Um, so this is the first eight episodes of Season 6 premiered about a week ago, and uh, they'll release the end of Season 6 then in january i want to say it's new year's day but i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on that um and this is the last season this is the end of of bojack which makes me sad uh this isn't my favorite so far in terms of uh at least comedy it's not as funny as the previous seasons has been but it, it focuses more on uh on like the story and on the messaging what messaging are they trying to focus on it seems like they're trying to wrap up a lot of these stories that they have hanging out there. Um, I don't want to say it's rushed because it doesn't really feel rushed. Um, but it seems like everyone's going through something at the same time. And like the, the whole season is just kind of about change and transformation. So all of the major characters are going through a, a a a major change of some kind in their life. So like, uh, Bojack is going through rehab and Diane is moving to a different city and Princess Carolyn is as a baby and so it's it's not rushed in that like they're doing too much at once it just seems that these are like transformative stories that if this wasn't their last season could have been spaced out a little more but instead you're getting them all at once which bundled together as like a theme for the season I, th- I think works pretty well do you think the season's been funny? I know BoJack's generally a pretty funny show. Yeah, it's it's been up and down. Like there have been a few spots where like it's it's pretty I mean it's pretty good. It's it's always goofy just the premise of the world. Um but it's not as laugh out loud funny as other seasons have been. It's it's much uh it's much more serious. It dives into some aspects that we've been missing up till now and it's interesting like stuff that i didn't really even notice that we were missing like todd has been in this now for six full seasons and i've never even considered that we've never met his family but like you're introduced to his dad and uh kind of to his mom in in this season and so that was interesting that was like oh yeah we don't have any backstory for todd really uh and so now, now we do. I am trying to think. I don't even know how... Is Todd and Bojack friends or housemates from the very beginning? I don't even remember how it starts. Yeah, the, he's, he's there from the jump. Uh, in season five, it shows how he got there. Like, they, they kind of mention it a couple times. But he, he, like, crashed one of Bojack's Halloween parties and then just stayed forever. <laughs> uh, so, in... Past seasons, they delve a little bit into mental health and mental illness. Do they deal with any of that this season? They do, yeah. Like, that's one of the more significant subplots. 
or not not really even subplots. That's one of the more specific plots. Um, specifically, it's depression and addiction. Like I said, Bojack's in rehab, uh, so there's a, a lot of focus on that on uh, alcoholism. Uh, two different characters kind of get branded with depression. Mr. Peanut Butter is like the face of depression and it's it's actual like branding they want him to do like a tour around the country and go talk about being depressed even though he isn't which that story isn't super good um they handle it i think much better in in terms of diane not really having a like a way forward in life and she's just kind of bums around the house all the time and then she can't really break out of that rut i think that was a much more apt way to discuss it than as like mr peanut butter as the mascot his story this this season has not been super compelling uh so i want to ask about that in a second but from what i remember from this i've only watched through season two it always seemed like diane was on the road to depression has that been actually the case since season two or is this season uh an, an anomaly uh it's up and down it like she they they definitely go through some major life changes uh in season five she's she i I mean i'm I'm trying to tread around spoilers but i guess it's been a year but um in season five like she and mr peanut butter are going through a divorce and so that like that bangs her up a little bit and then like she has this kind of falling out with bojack but then ultimately is the one who takes him to rehab and so they have a bit of a reconciliation in this one it's it's more about she kind of she loses her job and she and the way that it happens kind of leaves her not really knowing how to feel about the world and so she doesn't really know what to do from here Uh, so every season generally has one standout episode and I know you've only watched or at least only one half of the season's been released, but has there been a standout episode so far? Um, a little bit. I I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe the, the second half of the season will, will yield something a little more powerful. I, I believe it's the second or third episode. This season focuses mostly on princess Caroline trying to take care of her new baby. And it's, interesting in a lot of ways um yeah every every episode does or every season does tend to have a standout episode mostly in terms of like the structure and how it's told so like in in season five there's an episode called free churro where it's just like a 30 minute monologue no one else is on screen the entire episode except bojack it's pretty incredible and in this one Princess Caroline is walking around trying to take care of her baby and it showcases like the chaos of like the new baby and trying to maintain a a career and everything by having multiple versions of her on screen at all times. It's like her and these shadows of her that are all in different colors and they're all doing different things at the same time. It was it was really interestingly animated. It was like it was stressful to watch and so it like it really i think got its point across uh, i know you said it hasn't been a particularly funny season but has any of have any of the jokes stood out to you there's been a few um one thing i did laugh at was diane has always had a ringtone on her cell phone that has been like npr news 
And so anytime her phone rings, it's like, oh, this is so-and-so with NPR. This is your ringtone. And in uh, in this season, it's Michael Barbaro from The Daily, who does the, the podcast for The New York Times. And like I listen to him every day, and so, so it was it was funny that like her phone started ringing, and it was this is Michael Barbaro. I, I started laughing. It was a fun little call out to like the evolution of her character jumping to to podcasts. So I I know you're a huge fan of this show. How are you feeling, and are you ready for this series to end? I'm definitely not ready for it to end. Like this this show has kind of meant a lot to me. It's it's different than really anything else i've ever watched it does seem like they're wrapping up most of these stories uh, a lot of the people seem to be even especially just in the last couple minutes of this last episode they seem to be hurtling towards like good good choices and like they're they might be finally like well adjusting to themselves and then in like the last seconds a wrench gets thrown into it and, and so it seems like everybody's going to be real happy and then a meteor is going to get thrown into this right at the beginning of the second half of the season and uh it's uh it's going to be painful to watch i think some of these things unfold so we'll see how it goes this week christian and i both watched the movie burn after reading which is available on netflix this movie is directed by the Coen brothers, and it stars John Malkovich, Tilda Swinton, George Clooney, and Brad Pitt, and it's currently available to watch on Netflix. Christian, do you want to give us a quick recap of what the general idea of this movie is? Yeah, this movie is a lot. Like, there's a lot going on all at once, and uh, the stories don't really converge until towards the end, but uh, there is... A man, John Malkovic, is like an analyst for the State Department, and he gets fired and tries to write a memoir, and then two idiots find his memoir and think it's actual, like, spy intelligence and try to blackmail him and then send, try to sell it to the Russian government, which then gets, like, the CIA involved, and it's, it's like a mess it's it's like a spy story if the protagonists were all pretty dumb right so what threw me off at first about this was i i was not seeing how these stories were going to interconnect and really i think it's a story of three or four relationships so you have malcolm's character with his wife malcolm's character with uh brad pitt and the gym lady uh you have prep and the gym lady then gym lady and george clooney and George Clooney with John Malkovich's wife, Tilda Swinton. And so it's weird how they all interplay because you're really introduced to the four, the three or four separate groups uh, one at a time, and then you start seeing them interacting, and that's when it starts to get really good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think my favorite character in this was J.K. Simmons, and he's only in it for like five minutes. Oh, yeah. And that's Sorry. like that's not a burn on everybody else. Everybody's really good in this. I just really like J.K. Simmons. I, I will say I did enjoy everyone's performance in this one. I thought Tota Swinton played the perfect, just angry wife in a loveless marriage. Malkovich in the ending, in the very beginning, is trying to explain to his wife that he was fired and she's berating him about <laughs> not getting cheese for a party. And then you just cut to George Clooney being so obnoxious about things he can and can't eat. And he's in 
the Marshall sector, but he's never had to fire a gun, which I thought was hilarious when he actually had to fire a gun. He he was really freaked out about it. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I don't think I've ever seen Clooney like this. Like, almost every movie I've seen with George Clooney, he's always, like, the the suave, like, smooth-talking. And, I mean, he kind of was in this, but he was also just, like, a huge... Like, he was just... A- the worst oh no so he i had a note in here where it's like oh Clooney always plays the charming guy but then he is a complete pervert like the he's building something secret in his basement and it turns out just to be a sex chair yeah that was wild when like i i had never seen this movie before this this viewing obviously i knew very little about it and so i was like what's he building down there? Cause they kind of build it up where he's like, Oh, I'm not doing anything. And he's got those moving parts. And I'm like, Oh, he's going to murder somebody with whatever he's building down here. Like, Nope. <laughs> yeah, definitely not where I thought that was going. You, you said, uh, JK Simmons was your favorite character. Mine yeah. by far was Brad Pitt. I thought he played the <laughs> perfect, not an airhead, but just goofy and kind of dumb trainer. Oh my, I thought he was perfect when they called Malkovic trying to blackmail him. He was so good at it because he had no idea what he was doing. And I, I'm normally not a Brad Pitt fan, but he, I I thought he's hilarious in this role. He just asked what his name was like four times. He just kept saying just kept saying his name over and over again. Oh man. And then he <laughs> he didn't know how some of the words were pronounced. He kept misspelling or mispronouncing them. Yeah, he was great. Like everybody was great. I I did love Brad Pitt. I think the reason I gravitated towards J.K. Simmons was because the majority of the comedy for me in this was seeing the pers- seeing the story from the perspective of the CIA. Like all it is is these two morons are blackmailing this author, but since the author is like a former CIA agent, there's all these other moving parts that they're not really cognizant of. And so then like the head of the CIA gets involved and they're giving him reports about all these people that are dying. And he's like, I don't know, call me back when it makes sense. Like I just, I started laughing at that. Like I had to pause it. I was laughing pretty hard at that one. And so, yeah, it's, it's just like the CIA is all wrapped up in all these other things. And at the same time, they're like, I don't know, follow George Clooney, see what he's up to. Right. And at one point they're just like, Oh, what, what level clearance does Malkovich character, uh, Osborne Cox have? And they're like level two or three and like, Oh, okay, whatever. (laughs) Like he has nothing important. So, you know, that this this is a low stakes game (laughs) that's going on at this point. And you know, it halfway through the movie. (laughs) Yep. I will say, I think this movie came out in 2007, and I think it's funny to see some pre-2010, essentially, like, I think it's really interesting to see stuff that happens after the fact. Like, number one, pre-Tinder dating seems like the worst. (laughs) And then number two, this happened before the Snowden and Assange stuff, right? This movie came out. I believe so, yeah. So it's it's funny to watch this in a world after whistleblowers actually did come out with like state secrets and stuff like that. Uh, I wonder if this movie would have had... I, I, it probably wouldn't have been because I don't think it was making commentary on that, but I'm just curious if it would have had a little bit of a different take after that. Yeah, it's possible, yeah. 
Um, one thing I, I wanted to know if you saw this when I was watching it on Netflix, there were scenes in it where it looked like there were like, I was watching a VHS where it looked like it was breaking up. Did you have that? Or did I just have a bad stream? I think you may have just had a bad stream. Although to be fair, I watched most of it on my phone, so I don't know how much I would have lost in that. Okay. It kind of threw me off because it was in the scene, which, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Clooney kills Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very very like suddenly i was not expecting it and i was a little, a little sad not gonna lie but there were like i was getting weird uh issues with that and i, I was wondering if that was for, for a reason or if i just had a bad connection yeah I'm, I'm not sure i would have to watch it on a normal screen other than jk simmons did you prefer any of the characters over the others or did you dislike any of the characters particularly I I hated almost everyone. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I I didn't hate them. They they all played their parts really really well. It's just all of the characters sucked. Like, maybe Brad Pitt. He he wasn't really bad so much as just kind of dumb and like getting forced along for this ride. But like Frances McDormand's character was awful. Like all she wanted was these plastic surgeries, and she was hell bent on it. Like Clooney was cheating on his wife. Clooney's wife was cheating on him. Tilda Swinton was cheating on uh, John Malkovich. Like, John Malkovich was an asshole. Like, every, everybody in this was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say none of the characters ended up really be redeeming, except for Brad Pitt's character. I don't think it was that bad, but obviously he was committing crimes and trying to blackmail a guy, so he's not that good of a person. I did feel bad for Malkovich's character until the very end when he clearly went crazy. <laughs> yeah and, and poor ken jenkins oh my gosh i felt so bad for or the Richard gym jenkins. manager he he did not that poor guy did not deserve to die <laughs> yeah that was that was sad i like i thought the two of them were gonna be like work it out in that basement and then oh nope <laughs> no i thought it was hilarious at the end though when they're explaining it where it's like oh he just started killing a man in broad daylight <laughs> with a hatchet <laughs> And then he's like, well, uh, our man felt like he had to intervene, so he shot him. He's like, perfect, is he dead? And he's like, oh, no, he's in a coma. And they're like, well, we'll deal with it when we get him, if he wakes up. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that the story was kind of jumpy like that. Like, certain things just happened off screen, and then somebody would walk into J.K. Simmons' office and be like, there's been a development. <laughs> right. It, it was it was overall, I think, not too bad of a movie. I, It's definitely different, and it feels like a Coen brother movie. Um I don't know if I would choose to watch this on my own, but if it was on like on in the background or whatever, I happen to flip through the channel, I think I would watch it again. What about you? Yeah, I think so too. I I need to watch more Coen Brothers movies apparently. Like I really like this one. I really like Fargo. And uh I've I've seen True Grit, which I really like, but like I've never seen I this is crazy, but I've never seen Big Lebowski. I've never seen No Country for Old Men. I've never seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, and these are all like pretty critically acclaimed movies. Yeah, man, I, I'm surprised you haven't seen The Big Lebowski. That's probably my favorite movie of all time. I, I love that movie. <laughs> and, of course, they did Ballad of Buster, Buster Scruggs, which I know you're a big fan of. Oh, I did not like that one as much. <laughs> Yeah, I I need to watch more of their movies. Um, Dermot Mulroney was in this movie, like a weirdly. It was one of those where they they went to watch that movie twice in 
like in the movie they went to the theater and watched and dermot mulrooney was in it right the fake and like then, uh pushing daisies or something like that yeah and then later on when they were doing like a today's show segment they were like and we'll have dermot mulrooney on later on and i'm like what is this <laughs> It just it, it made me think like I wonder if the Cohen brothers and Dermot Mulroney had like some kind of like inside joke or they were like hey you owe us one come be in this movie for thirty seconds right they, they he owed him a favor so they're like well we have no one else let's get him in <laughs> yeah I I do think I would recommend this it's it's not laugh out loud funny but like you said it is kind of a dark comedy I I did enjoy it and so uh, the Rotten Tomatoes let's restart that. So Rotten Tomatoes has this as a 78% critic score and a 64% audience score. Where would you put uh, your opinion of this? I'd probably fall somewhere in between those two. It was, I'd, I'd, yeah, maybe around a 70. I, I did really like it. Yeah, I'd probably put it around a 70% too. It was good, but like I'm happy I saw it, but I'm not jonesing to watch it again immediately. <laughs> yeah. Do you by chance know anything about the budget or box office? So budget was uh, thirty-seven mil, and it made a hundred sixty-three million, which is really good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it got the job done. Yeah. I'm surprised it made that much, to be honest. Usually, the Coen Brothers movies are like limited releases; they they don't usually do super super well. But like this one did <laughs> real good. Yeah, same. I remember when this came out, and I remember some people kind of talking about it, but no one I knew was saying like this was a must see, and most people I know had not, had, you know, saw it in theaters. So yeah. I did not know that it had done that well at the box office. And honestly, I, I forgot this movie existed until we needed to pick one for this <laughs> week, and I was looking like, what are the best movies on Netflix? And this was one of them, and I was like, oh, I've, I've always wanted to watch that. So, <laughs> well, mission accomplished. Yeah all right and then this week you got to play the game until dawn eric so what is this game about all right so until dawn is uh action or so until dawn is an adventure game sort of in the same vein as life is strange like i talked about last week where you kind of make these decisions and you're walking around except that it is a much more bloody game it's rated mature it was developed by supermassive and was published by sony it is a ps4 exclusive released back in 2015 and man it is good oh man that sounds pretty good is it like you're saying it's much more bloody is it like a horror game yes this is definitely a horror game so the premise of the game is that you play a prologue and then there's 10 chapters in each chapter you play one hour of a night of these characters trying to survive from uh i think it's like 11 a.m till 8 a.m or whatever it's whenever it gets dark until whenever it gets light. you're trying to survive that many hours and each chapter each chapter is is like the next hour and so the prequel is, or the 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 pre chapter is, a bunch of friends are at a house party. Uh, one of the, the group of friends' parents are very rich, and they have a lodge up in the mountains. And the group plays a prank on two of the sister, or one of the sisters, and she runs out. And then the other sister follows her, and they both end up lost in the woods and end up going missing. The um, this is not. A, I don't think this is really spoiler. 
they both appear to have died at the end of this. You see them fall off a cliff. <laughs> and so one year later, their brother who was at the party, but, but who was passed out drunk, invites everyone back up to the cabin because he's like, we got to celebrate their life or whatever, something like that. He wants everyone back up there. And so everyone who had played the prank is now coming back up to the cabin. And the whole time you just like get the ominous feeling because you're like, well, you know, I, I know what happened because you played the sisters as it like, is this going to be a revenge game? Like there is some weird stuff happening with the sisters in the woods. Like you don't really know where the game's going. And so it plays on all of the horror tropes uh, that you can think of for like slasher films. Oh, that sounds pretty good. It is so much fun. Um, maybe not fun. Sorry. It is <laughs> really entertaining. Me and my wife played this one together where she would pick like the choices and stuff uh, because this game is all about choices. And so we had a, we had a blast playing it. So I'm assuming since the like the main like gameplay mechanic is is making these choices that you can affect the outcome. Oh yes, this game is very unique in that I knew from the beginning every character could die in this or every character could survive. Oh wow. Which you don't often see in horror, you know, in horror movies it's pretty much predetermined who's going to die or whatever. You can't save people in this. I knew at all times that I could lose any of these characters and I didn't know what their death events were. And it turns out multiple characters have multiple death events. So you could have them survive once, feel safe, and then something else could completely happen. I was so mad at myself. I lost two characters playing through the game. There were like, I guess I technically lost three characters and there are uh, nine total. And so I went into the last chapter with six people and I was feeling good about it i was like i have this and then at the last second i made a split decision i regretted and ended up killing four of like my remaining six characters and then the game (laughs) ended and i was just like no (laughs) oh man that's why it was literally my last choice of the game i was like this choice makes more sense like i thought something was happening that wasn't and i killed four people by accident (laughs) Oh man, man, this sounds pretty cool. Like, I choose your own adventure games like that are ambitious. Like, obviously, the the whole point of games is that, that they're interactive. But I I'm always really interested in games where you can affect the story as you play. Like, it's it's one thing to like be interactive. It's another thing to actually be like kind of writing the story as you go. Oh yeah, and this game too. Like, I've played a lot of. Not a lot. I've probably played like between five and ten adventure games of this style, like either of the Telltale games I've talked about. And you make choices, but you don't really affect huge changes in the game. Like there were two characters who were just like I think one of them died in chapter four or whatever, and there and there are just parts of this game that they're not in anymore, and they're in later parts. Like it's crazy that they wrote this much stuff and a character will just disappear whereas other games they let you pick but they kind of shoehorn you into the ultimate game you know the ultimate story which yeah this game's a little bit more freeing in that regards yeah this is ambitious uh and so other than choices the main other gameplay mechanic of this is uh quick time events so when tense moments are happening and this is why i was saying i was always on edge where it's like you have to hit button sequences in the right order when they pop up on the screen 
and you know if you mess up like your character might actually die and the worst one by far is once you get further into the game there's these sequences where it's just like don't move and how the playstation 4 controller is they have that later whatever on the controller itself so you see it on the screen and you're trying not to move and you're sitting there for like 10 20 seconds and it just feels like forever and when you're like even i even would like be sitting there and have it on my leg and like my leg would be like i want to twitch right now and i'm just like no don't <laughs> don't we will die if we do it like this game does a really good job of making things tense in a way that i've never really experienced in other games that's really really cool um so did, did you play this game you, did you just go through it the once or did once you knew where like certain traps and things were did you try to go through it again so i am on my second playthrough right now i'm going to have to do three this game's a little bit weird in that once you beat it you can do chapter select but once you choose the chapter you're on you have to play it all the way through to the end for it to overwrite your first save and so I have going back to do collectibles for this because there's, I think, a hundred and some different collectibles you can get in this game, and I miss like 30 of them. And unfortunately, I'm starting at chapter two, so now I'm trying to go through and do an entire run where I save everyone. My worry is I accidentally don't save someone, so it's going to be like, well, I have to replay from chapter. You know, I'm going to be doing that until I, until I save everyone, and then I have to go back and make sure I kill everyone. So uh, I, I do like the idea. I do like that they gave you a chapter select. I wish that you could just play chapter by chapter instead of having to, once you commit to a chapter, play through the whole game. Or at least I would, they would give you the option to be able to skip some of the cutscenes that don't involve quick time events because they do drag on a little bit. And I've already watched some of these, you know, twice at this point. So I'm not going to want to watch them a third or fourth time. Yeah, the skippable scenes would be nice. I feel like, like just being able to play it one chapter at a time, I think would be tough in a game where you're changing the chapters like as you go that's true and i I completely understand why they have it as they do it's just i i i know there's some chapters i could skip and i'm not going to be able to so i mean you said you have to go through and play it where you you save everyone and kill everyone so you have to play this game a couple times to get the platinum like that's required yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna lie, it's it's fun to replay it. Like I like seeing the different scenes. Uh, what's what I don't enjoy is there are like I said the 107 collectibles, and they're all some of them are I wouldn't say they're like hidden, but the the game has a fixed camera angle, so wherever you are, I sometimes don't know where I'm supposed to go. So I would go up to something and then just enter a new area, and I wouldn't be able to go back. And I was like, well, this kind of sucks. I wanted to explore that area more. So I, I don't enjoy that, but the otherwise it's fine. The collectibles in the game are actually pretty cool where you can piece together all the backstory and stuff in this uh, if you are getting everything as you go. And I got to say, there is a twist in this game about halfway through, a little bit more than halfway through that I didn't see coming. And then like the game goes in a completely different direction. It's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I might try to pick this up. I might try to see if I can get find it on sale somewhere if if you see it on sale i highly suggest picking it up you can get it at gamestop right now it's uh it's considered a playstation hit so the most you'll pay for it's 20 pre-owned right now it looks like it is 19.99 same thing on the playstation store um one suggestion if you're like oh if you you can you can beat this game in like five hours it's a pretty quick game uh each chapter's 
maybe an hour if you're not look you know just finding the collectibles as you go and you're not looking for everything mm-hmm. uh playstation has a one week free trial of playstation now which i'm actually been messing around with and it's it's pretty good it's basically like xbox game pass but with playstation themed stuff and so this is on there and every playstation 4 game on playstation now uh place sorry playstation now is basically like netflix for games you pay six dollars a month or whatever it is ten dollars a month and then you can play whatever any of the 400 games they have on their um their inventory uh on their list of games they have some of them you can only play streaming but any games that are for the playstation 4 you can actually download to your system and until dawn is one of those so you could actually play it for free this had been a PlayStation Plus game in the past. That's actually how I got it, but I think that was like two or three years ago at this <laughs> point. Yeah, that might be worth looking into. I'm not. I mean, I was going to try and save this for a later episode, but PlayStation Now is pretty cool so far. Uh, they have a rotating list of games, but they do have some of their big games on it. Like I said, they have Until Dawn, God of War is on there, and I think Uncharted 4 as well. And they have a bunch of other games that I miss. So they have a bunch of little indie games that I've always wanted to play but have never wanted to buy. So it's been pretty cool so far. Okay, and now I just wanted to briefly touch on what has basically been the death of Deadspin. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because... It's not really the kind of topics we normally cover, but this actually affects me personally because I read a lot of Deadspin. Yeah, I was kind of following this on Twitter just because a, a lot of the people that I follow were, were talking about it, and it's pretty... that's a lot. Yeah, so Deadspin is part of like the sister website series with Gawker, Kotaku, Jezebel, Splint... well, I think Splinter got closed down um jalopnik and and those kind of websites so if you've seen those they're all in the same i think you know they're all in the same vein uh back in 2014 or 2015 i cannot remember it might have even been a little bit earlier gawker media posted a video of hulk hogan like hulk hogan sex tape on their website and then they ended up getting sued and lost in court for like a $120 million judgment. It basically bankrupt the site and everything associated with it. There's a whole backstory of that, of Hulk Hogan actually trying to suppress that. Not It seems like not because he was angry about the sex tape being released, but because he was caught on the video saying the N-word, which eventually came out. <laughs> and then a person who has a personal grudge against Gawker, I think his name's Peter Thiel, was bankrolling this. It's a whole thing. That was a whole thing. But so Deadspin ended up being bought by Univision, uh, and then eventually it was sold to a venture capitalist group uh, about six months ago, and then that's where a lot of Deadspin's modern problems started happening. Now, if you don't know what Deadspin is, it's a sports blog, but they tend to be quite liberal, and a lot of their stories are sports combined with political takes, or they'll just have political takes, or they'll just have whatever takes. It's a very random blog. And I think that's why people who read it tended to really like it. It's because they didn't just focus on sports. It's because they did other things. And they basically poked fun at sports. And so once a venture capitalist group bought it, they sent around a memo a week ago or so saying, stick only to sports. You know, they took a ESPN stance where we're not getting into anything else. 
the editor at the time of Deadspin pushed back against that and refused to do so. He got fired, and then in solidarity, I would I think almost the entirety of the Deadspin staff just quit within a day or two. So the site went from being I I looked online, it was like the two thousandth most popular site, and it was like number thirty in sports blogs or whatever. They lost their entire staff. Yeah, now I'm I'm trying to think back to what initiated this because the the stick to sports memo came as a response to something like they had published an article either like disparaging the new owners I think maybe and that that's when the the memo came down that they weren't allowed to to talk about stuff like that anymore so I uh, I don't know if the memo was directly in relation to that. So I, I'm actually weirdly plugged in this because I listened to the Dead Zone podcast and I know their old editor, her name was Megan Greenwell. She had said some stuff about when she was leaving for another job that the management was horrible to work with. You know, they like work. She liked working with the writers, but the management just they wanted their own thing because they're trying to make money. And so there was actually an internal investigation. I cannot remember who did it. Maybe it was Laura Wagner. I, I, I really don't remember where it was not a flattering article that they released on the new owners, but that was a couple months ago. The ownership's reasoning for sticking to sports was they were, they're claiming that anything that wasn't like the sports things are actually sports related, got the most clicks and anything else that wasn't sports related did not get nearly as many clicks. And then what I think actually in the background of all this with not just Deadspin, but all their other websites uh, in the same group, they were forcing autoplay on their websites, which everyone hated. It was so annoying. Uh, Kotaku at least, and maybe Deadspin even essentially was like, here's the email. We all hate this too. email the people and tell them to stop doing it. And then they eventually disabled people being able to forward to that email because they got so much hate. Um, the new ownership group had promised, I think it was Erie Insurance or Allstate. It was some, I think it was some insurance company that they would get them 50 million impressions, and they are essentially bloating the numbers by forcing autoplay on things. And then that insurance group dropped out um, from that deal. And then my guess is the memo came from this because they didn't have a cash cow anymore to stick to sports, and then it all snowballed from there. But I might have gotten a fact or two wrong on that one. No, yeah, that the, the when you started talking about the autoplay ads, that that was something that I had read about as well. Yeah, and so I'm guessing you don't you haven't read Deadspin or any of its sites. Uh, no, not not religiously. Yeah, so this is one of the few sites I I read pretty consistently, mostly because I really like one of the authors, Drew McGarry. I think he's hilarious and one of the best bloggers. But what I why I really like Deadspin was. They they were all sports writers, so they're all obviously into sports, but they essentially pointed out that sports is inherently ridiculous, and it's kind of dumb to get so worked up over something that doesn't really have a real effect on your life, you know? So it's like you can be passionate about it, but just be self-aware that like at the end of the day, it's adult men making millions of dollars that you're watching, and you have no real input it on it as a fan and it's you know it is kind of ridiculous to get worked up over it they're not saying that you shouldn't get worked up on it but like still 
you know have uh have the ability to poke fun at yourself a little bit for caring so much about this yeah a little self-awareness goes a long way right and so uh, that's why i really like them i think they were you know i think they knew what they were they while they tended to be more liberal i think they also were somewhat fatalistic on being like well yeah like we are but also we're clearly like watching the nfl where people are getting horrible brain trauma like as much as we rail against it you know we're part of the problem like at least they had some self-awareness on that which a lot of people don't have and they also were you know they were more crass they said what they wanted they they were thinking which you know i like to a certain extent and they're generally i think pretty funny uh especially drew mcgarry uh i will miss he had a couple things that i read weekly and throughout the year the uh the fun bag which was just reader mail the weekly uh the dick bag jamboree which was his <laughs> preview of the nfl uh, upcoming week uh, one of my favorite and even my wife enjoyed it was the haters guide to the william sonoma catalog where he <laughs> just went through the william sonoma catalog and made fun of every item in it <laughs> There was the, and also there was the Why Your Team Sucks, which is his preview of the 30 NFL teams and went through and stated why all of them suck. <laughs> uh, that sounds like fun. The The one thing I did, uh, I did enjoy was after all of these writers quit, there was a tweet that went out from the Deadspin official account, and it's right now to this day their their most recent tweet is from two days ago, and it's just a news article from the LA Times, and the headline is Deadspin's audience numbers don't support the sticks to sports mandate, and so people were going on and saying like, hey, if all of your employees quit on mass, you should probably change your like social media passwords. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I definitely. Sorry, one correction. 32 NFL teams, I said 30. I wasn't paying attention. But, yeah, I don't think, number one, I, who knows, maybe I am completely off, but I think the people who read Deadspin religiously, you know, they didn't come there for the sports. If you want sports, you can get that anywhere. And then when they fired people, it was just a rotate, because people were quitting at different times. Mm-hmm. It was like a rotating list of, like, editor and chiefs where they are just throwing up the last bits of, articles that they had um contracted people to write so that those freelancers could get paid so i i don't know what the ownership's doing or you know they seem rather incompetent honestly but you know i don't know i'm no one gave me millions of dollars to run a website (laughs) into the ground yeah i could have done it for free (laughs) yeah i mean they they did like they went on a little bit of a run of civil disobedience i saw because as soon as the stick to sports mandate came out they published like 10 articles in a row that had nothing to do with sports. Like I'm, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. scrolling through their Twitter right now and it's like cereals ranked an article well, on, on different kinds of herbs. Uh, in all fairness, they have done random rankings like that before, but yeah, they, there was one about like a dog, this guy met in Peru or something. <laughs> yeah. Like there was, it was pretty wild. Like I, I like when stuff like that happens when people are like, yeah, I know. I know you're my boss, but this is nonsense. So, uh, no. Yeah, and and so Deadspin and its sister sites are weird because they're actually a unionized outfit, which I I don't think a lot of internet blog spaces are. I mean, Bleacher's Report is notoriously takes advantage of their with their workers. So, it I'm 
I'm happy they stuck to their guns because a lot of people were, it seems like a lot of Twitter is happy that they're gone. I will say that they at least stuck by their values till the end and they just were like, you know, we, they had a very much a, a middle finger to the authorities attitude and in a lot of the writings, you know, they don't like big business and that kind of stuff. And when push came to shove, they all quit and the company no longer has a website. They just wasted money on it. So I do congratulate them on that. Yeah, you love to see it. All right, and now it's time for our Amazon review game. Just a quick recap, I'm going to read a five-star review for a movie from Amazon. Christian will get two yes or no questions to help him narrow down the movie. Uh, he can then either guess or ask for two more qu- two, uh, another review. He'll get two more questions. He can guess or ask for one more review, then he'll get two more questions, and then he will have to guess. Christian, are you ready? Let's do it. I hate sadistic creepy killer movies, so I wasn't sure about this one. The hook for me? Tommy Lee Jones. I'm coming to appreciate him more and more. What an amazing actor. Going back through his filmography to find more gems. Not too gory and not too sadistic. The violence made sense. It had a point and a purpose. The antagonist, massively scary. The ending, which I have seen criticized in these reviews, was fantastic. The story of the dream, mesmerizing. It is over. Every performance in this movie was great. Oh man, there's a lot in there. Tommy Lee Jones. I love Tommy Lee Jones. (sighs) Creepy killer. Hmm. Oh, is this? Hmm, is this a Coen Brothers movie? Yes. Is it No Country for Old Men? Yes. Wow, you got that real quick. Yeah, I was trying to. I was. I was trying to think of Tommy Lee Jones like movies where he was up against like a a a murderer and that was the only thing i could come up with i was worried because you like i i did not read the note beforehand where you said you'd only seen two of those movies and i was like oh gosh i hope i hope christian at least has an idea for this one oh yeah no that's like that's high on my list i know a lot about it but i've i've never seen it i know it's it i mean it won an academy award i i watched it in like 20 2011 i did not like it as much as other people really? <laughs> uh but tw- i think that and children of men came out at the same time mm. or at least in the same time period and i like children of men way better i don't remember caring for children of men i know i, I watched it in the theater but it it, it didn't leave a lasting impression All right, thanks for listening, guys. Before we head out, Christian, what are you going to be checking out this week? I've got a few things on the uh, on the agenda here. We've got some new movies coming out this week. I do want to see. I still want to see Maleficent. Um, I I finally got the uh, first one on Blu-ray, so <laughs> I'll probably go through that. Uh, Doctor Sleep comes out this week. Which looks really interesting. It's uh, it's the sequel to The Shining, which is a movie I didn't really care for, but I would definitely revisit it because Doctor Sleep looks really creepy. Um, 
I had something I know I wanted to mention, and now I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Oh, well, I guess it's not important. Um, yeah, that's probably going to be about it. I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff around the house here, so I'm not going to have too, too much time, but I definitely do want to try and see Dr. Sleep. Cool. Uh, next week, or I guess this upcoming week, I'm not too sure if I'm going to be doing anything new. I'm currently trying to finish this game from PlayStation Now called A Boy and His Blob. It's a reimagining of an old NES game that came out on the PS3 era. It's not too bad so far. It's like a puzzle platformer. Still playing through Greedfall, which is very cool, but it's like a long RPG. Um, still playing through Division 2. I really just need to sit down and, I think, bang those games out. I also bought Team Sonic Racing because I was craving a kart racer that wasn't Mario Kart, and it's surprisingly fun. Like, I'm actually really enjoying it, which I was not necessarily anticipating for a Sonic game because anything that's not 2D Sonic has generally not been very good, in my opinion. I used to play the Crash Team Racing. Ooh, did you get that for the PS4? I didn't. I got the the Crash Trilogy, but it was before CTR was released. Yeah, I I do like kart games, but like Mar- this it's basically been the same Mario Kart since like 2015 or yeah. whatever. I mean, I played it on the Wii U and it's just on the Switch now, so it's it's like the same courses and stuff. <laughs> I was craving something new. Other than that, not not much. Slowly we've slowly been working on putting our backlog of episodes onto YouTube and then I started a Medium blog, so if you guys want to read reviews on there, I'm going to start trying to have stuff put up there to read so that appreciated if anyone checked those out yeah. and I, I remembered what i was also planning on watching this week uh his dark materials starts on hbo tonight it's probably actually on as we're recording this right now so i'm probably going to watch that tonight or tomorrow actually started at nine because i was like oh i'm going to check that out and i was like oh no we gotta record <laughs> yeah so I, i'm i'm excited for that one uh, I'm I'm also still currently watching Watchmen. Have you been watching? No, that? I've been meaning to to jump into it. I've just been I've been things have been real hectic. Yeah, I'll we'll probably I'll, I'll probably talk about that whenever the season's over. I'm enjoying it so Excellent. far. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the episode. If you would like to give us a suggestion for an Amazon review game, or if you have any for any other reason you want to get in contact with us, our Twitter is at Gambots Network, or you can reach us via email at gambots.blog at gmail.com. Otherwise, if you're listening to a place where you can rate or put a review, we'd really appreciate if you would do so. Otherwise, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.